Oh, you sound like a chipmunk right now. I do? Yeah. The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 635, recorded on January 11th, 635th episode of TV Gaming Podcast and 468th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I'm Scott Durr. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Right. So the last podcast we did was the awards. Uh, we did something after that, but um, it was such a mess that I decided I'm just going to scrap it. So. This is the this is part two this is attempt two at a podcast for 2022, um, and I'm going to admit, uh, TJ, I made a terrible oversight in the awards. How so? There's one game which see I'm I have to vote for other awards right, and one game popped up and I thought oh oh I forgot all about it, but then I thought wait a minute. Is it a remaster, or is it just a regular action game? And I'm going to have to ask you this. Ghosts and Goblins Resurrected, is that a remaster, or is it just a third game in the series? I would call it a remake. Okay. Then uh, pretend we kicked Mist on its ass and just include that in the awards. <laughs> Diablo 2 Resurrected was still going to win, but uh, Ghosts and Goblins Resurrected should have been there. It is quite good. Like the way in which, It's still hard to tell. But they included a lot of options to like make it playable to people who didn't like who don't want to play like arcade level three quarters hard. Yeah. If um, it, if it was considered an action game, then there's no way it was going to surpass Hitman Three. It takes two, Kena Bridge of Spirits, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, or Returnal. It was just going to be off that list. But had had I remembered it in time, I'd have just not missed off. And just put it instead. Although I know Scott probably would have said, no, 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 get rid of Grady's Attorney Chronicles. <laughs> but it was an idea that you did dislike that game so much, Scott. Which game? Grady's Attorney Chronicles. Oh, yeah, because I was not interested in seeing a... Uh, I, I didn't, you know, just... If you're going to do Sherlock Holmes, just do Sherlock Holmes. I, I just... Whatever, it's fine. You know, it's but. It's better than you think. Like, I've having played through that game, it is a proper Ace Attorney game. It's just got a few different characters, and of course, Herlock Sholmes. But I actually enjoy him because he's a that's good. He, he's a himbo. He's a himbo. <laughs> so, um, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I like that game a lot. Yeah, I think it has one of the better stories of uh of twenty twenty one gaming as far as narrative games go. Um. There's some, uh, there's some interesting other news which we're not going to go into depth about. Um, for one thing, um, the real, uh, some news about LA cops getting fired for ignoring a robbery so they could play Pokemon Go. And, um, this originally happened in 2017 when Pokemon Go was huge. 
And instead of uh, following up on a uh, robbery at the mall they were actually already at, they were too busy trying to get a Snorlax. I don't know how difficult yes. it was to get a Snorlax, but damn it, they had to have that Snorlax. It was Isn't a sh- that the sleeping Pokemon? Yes, that's the that's the one that just likes to sleep. <laughs> I don't I don't think he's rare. Whatever. <laughs> it, was a, uh, it was a shiny Snorlax, so I don't know if y'all know about shinies, but they're super super rare variants of uh, regular Pokemon. Right. Of course, the judge didn't agree. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember how big Pokemon Go was a couple of years ago? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw pl- uh, businesses had to put up signs saying you can't come in here. There's one employment office that said, no, sure, come in here. <laughs> oh, God. And the accidents that happened because people weren't looking at what they were, where they were going. Yeah. Yeah, and so they actually installed a update in which, if it recognized you were driving, it would stop the game. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Is that, is that- People were doing it while driving? Yes, <laughs> and so they installed a update in Pokemon Go that it would, like, recognize how fast you were going, and if it recognized that you were going at, like, driving speeds, it would shut down the game. Uh, too bad for those kids who were just in the back seat then, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, Scott, uh, it is still going. Like, people still enjoy... It's not nearly as as fever pitch as it was because of, like, obviously the pandemic has kind of cut down on, on yeah. the social gatherings. Yeah. Let's all have... Let's all... Let's all have a moment of remembrance for Minecraft AR. Oh, that was so sad. It could have been and so much more. Yeah. Um... Some other uh, sadder news. Um, uh, the uh, founder of uh, Just Dad Water, Stuart Gilray, passed away from COVID, and um, his wife just today um, urged people to get vaccinated, saying that Stuart had a deathly fear of needles. He only had like one blood test in in 20 years, and he had so many plans, and the COVID just cut it short. So it's really sad. Yeah, that's a bummer. And, uh, yeah, it, it does suck that just, like, fear of a needle just, like, kept <coughs> that straight up just, like, what, what, you know, what do you say about that? It is, it is It is still a danger to a lot of people, especially anyone that's, like, of a certain age. Right. And, um... Their last game was really, really popular. Actually, they had two really popular games this past year, and both of them just missed getting nominations. You had a BPM Bullets Per Minute, um, which is the uh, the dance shooter or the the uh, rhythm shooter. You know, you have to if you shoot at a rhythm, you get points. And of course, Sniper Elite VR, uh, which also barely missed getting a uh, nomination. Yeah, yeah, there were quite a few, like. Did you play BPM? I have seen it played. Okay. I'm not. I'm, it takes a lot to get me to really dig my heels into uh, into a retro style shooter. I think one of the only ones that I've really, really, really enjoyed in the last year or so is Proteus, which is in early access right now. They also did I Am Bread. I don't know if you remember that game. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> um, 
And uh, some happy uh, news, which we're not going to discuss in depth. Um, not only is Spelunky 2 coming to Game Pass, but uh, Far Changing Tides will be hitting Game Pass, and it has a March 1st release date. And it'll be for PlayStation, Switch, and PC through Steam and Epic Game Stores. Um, I don't know if you've played Far Lone Sales before. I have not. Um, that's that game in which you are piloting this huge vehicle, and all you're doing is basically picking up fuel and dealing with some obstacles along the way. It's it's a casual game, basically, um, but it was something that a lot of people liked, and Far Changing Tides is going to take it into a boat. You should check out videos of Far Lone Sales, and you'll say, oh, it's that game. So anyways. All righty. So, um, what have you been playing, TJ? Oh, wait, let, before you answer that, have you finished Halo Infinite yet? I have not. Oh. And I can't discuss with you the, the twists and the, uh, and the ending, unfortunately. I, uh, <laughs> so I was going through the, so PlayStation has a, has a PlayStation Plus collection of, of a few different games that, uh, that are just available to play if you have PlayStation Plus. Right. And uh, I was going through it the other day, and I saw Fallout 4 was in there, and I never finished that game. Really? So I downloaded it, and I started fiddling with it again. And man, that game sucks me in. I spent, I, I planned on spending a little bit of time with it, but over the weekend, I ended up putting in about 15 hours. Let me ask you a question. How much have you devoted to base building? Um, more than I would like, because that's one of my least favorite aspects of uh, that game. I would rather just do the exploring and story and, and companions and and, and uh, trying to find my child. Okay, I never got into it. I know there's a lot of people who have gotten really elaborate with some of the bases they've built. For me, it was just going through the story and finishing with the, uh, ra- not the railroad, um, the Minutemen without the railroad. I mean, it is possible to finish the game with the Minutemen and the railroad. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you can do it, and it's very hard to do it, but you can do it with Miniman and the Brotherhood. I only just got to Diamond City after okay. I finished my last session. So, uh, little, ga- I, little, little game no, tip? Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I, I got well past that. I made it to, uh, my, my, uh, I made it to the spouse, the spouse killer and the baby kidnapper, and I beat the holy shit out of him, but uh, <laughs> I didn't get much further than that. So, um, make friends with Han- Hancock, and then always take him with you on the Silver Shroud missions. Because I, I, I take uh, I take Nick personally. Valentine is. I love Nick, but here's the thing: Hancock goes 100% in on you being the Silver Shroud. He loves it, and he always has funny commentary every time you act as the uh, Shroud. He Which just, one is Hancock? I don't think I've come across. He's the ghoul who he's the ghoul who runs Diamond Town, not Diamond Town. Uh, he's the one who uh, the ghoul who runs uh, Good Neighbor. Oh, okay. He can be a companion. Yes, he can be a companion, and he just loves it when you act as the Shroud. He and every time you talk as the Shroud, he just giggles because he's really into that superhero shit. <laughs> nice. Like I when you're. Get, go ahead. I did get to the city where they where they broadcast the Silver Shroud from the top of that building. Yeah. Uh, I actually released a video of my way of saving him, uh, saving, oh, jeez, I forgot his name. The guy who does the broadcast from Sinjin. And um, 
Some people do it as a shroud, but I do it this way. And by the way, you have to have really high charisma level to do this. Um, I tell everybody that I walk in and they have the conversation and I say, well, in your regular voice, say, well, this is what happens. Everyone who points a gun at me dies. Every last one. And the funny thing is all of his followers immediately quit him because <laughs> they believe me. And then I take the vax and I have the, um, I have that pistol that fires, uh, 48s and, um, I just, I just shoot, I just blow his head off before he can even kill, uh, the guy, you know, the guy, jeez, I keep forgetting his name. The guy who worships the, uh, Silver Shroud, uh, the guy who's running the radio station. And it is, I, I put it, I posted the video, I'll send you the link. It is just an awesome way to deal with that plot line. The funny thing is that there's so much in that game that, like, I thought, I got a pretty good portion of the way through it, or at least I think. I played for a while. And then playing now, even early in the game, I'm coming across things that I never saw before. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very dense game. Um, yeah, but, it's a very long game. But on the other hand, um, I haven't played it again because it, I, I just can't. I can't. I, I try, I can't. I got the ending that I wanted, and that's it. I'm really not an end of the base building. I kind of wish there was a way to just, like turn that shit off because I don't like it. <laughs> you don't have to do base building at all. You don't you have, have to. For, you have to for uh, you have to for Preston when you start the game. You we can say fuck you to Preston. Play. You can say fuck you to Preston and leave it at that. You can you can start up. Uh, you have to start up Sanctuary with uh, Preston and uh, Sturgis. Okay. But uh, yeah, I know I, I know you can ignore a lot of it, but like there are those sections where it's like you have to at least do a little bit, and it just like. I don't know. I if I'm gonna play a sim game, I'll play a sim sim game. I play Fallout to play Fallout. Sometimes you just have to respond to people needing your help. You don't actually have to build a base. Just say save them from raiders and stuff like that, and your and your thing with uh, Preston goes up and up and up just by doing that. You'll probably like the uh, Far Harbor DLC the most then, uh, because you don't have to worry about base building there. Nice. But um, those free games, they're they're basically just a vanilla game. They're not the it's not the uh, game of the year edition, is it? No, but you yeah. can, uh, but you can use it as the basis to get the expansions, and you don't have to pay for like the full game and then the expansions. <laughs> well, that's where the, the expansions are where the money is. Just so you know, that's why they're giving away a lot of these games off free. I mean, that's why um, Microsoft is able to make Fallout seventy six uh, free on Game Pass because they know a lot of the money is going to come from DLC. So. Anyways, um, how about you, Scott? What have you been playing? I've been playing a game that I think came out in 2019 uh, called Tales of the Neon Sea. And yeah. basically, it's a pixel side-scrolling uh, future cyberpunk uh, detective noir uh, kind of game. And it's a uh, very story-based with some puzzles, a uh, good amount of puzzles, I would say. And, uh, you know, you got a narrative story, you're a detective trying to track down a serial killer, and, uh, you're like a, you're cyborg, so you have computer or robot parts in you. And, um, it's, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's, it has a lot of heavy influence of Blade Runner. I was about to say, a lot of people consider it a, a nice Blade Runner game. Yeah, and it's, uh, it was also a Kickstarter game, too, which I didn't know when I got the game. Um, I, it's, it's always neat to see that, you know, to 
a crowdfunded game uh, was successful and made a nice game. Had some. Good, it has really good music. Uh, but a lot of puzzles. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of puzzles. Uh, so it, it, it's it's primarily a puzzle game, I think. Um, so you don't have to worry about action sequences so much. You're just trying to solve little puzzles that get you to the next step, and you find clues that tell you about the world that you're in and all the stuff that's going on. And um, it, it's a it's a short game, about 15 to 20 hours. But uh, I had a lot of fun playing it. it I I like the old style pixel art so it's really nice to see a game like that again have you played Pl- cloudpunk played what cloudpunk it's a it's a voxel game from 2020 in which you're delivering your your delivery person and it's very much like blade runner you even have a flying car that you're doing these deliveries through except it's you know, more it's more it's placed in new york though Right. Uh, was, I know there was another one, a detect, another detective one. Uh, in here, let me. There's also that furry detective game. I forgot the name of it. <laughs> oh, Black Sad. Okay. There's a couple of them actually. I you there know, was another one where you play as like a, a raccoon person. I think. Yeah, that's a furry detective game. <laughs> Black, Black Sad. I know you're calling it a furry game, but it, it actually takes itself serious. When, when play- oh no, I'm sorry. It's Backbone. It's Backbone. I think that's the game you're talking about, actually. Uh, there, uh, Scott, a TVG. TJ, oh, no. Backbone was the game you're talking about, right? Yeah, Backbone yeah. was the one I was talking about. But Scott is right. There's also Black Sad, which is another one. Yeah, I'm just saying Black Sad takes itself serious. It's not a um, what what's the word? Fan service game. It's it's trying to do a metaphor, and uh, I don't know. It's it's. It's it's a good game. I, I I need to finish that one. Uh, Dark Side Detective was the other game that I was trying to think of, and I have it in my library. I need to play that one next because I just again love pixel games. So anything, yeah. So if you want, uh, go ahead go ahead and just check out Cloudpunk. It might be something you like. It's not pixel. It's voxel. Okay. You know what a voxel is, right? Yeah, it's a 3D pixel. It's basically a 3D shape and. It's 3D pixels. Uh, That's why it's called yeah, voxels. 3D pixel. It's a Minecraft. <laughs> no, it's not a Minecraft, though. Uh, <laughs> Minecraft is not voxel. <laughs> no, uh, but Cloudpunk is a beautiful game, um, even just playing it. Check out Cloudpunk if, uh, to see what kind of game that is. Anyways, uh, the game, I here's the thing. Um, since it was on Game Pass, I said, why not? I decided to finally play Firewatch. And I finished it in one sitting. Well, not one sitting, two sittings, because it's not a very long game. And I enjoyed it. I like the twist that it isn't some grand conspiracy. Everything is just stemming from one tragedy that happened recently. And basically, everybody in the game are dealing with 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 tra- with trauma, right? Um, you're dealing with uh, your wife getting into getting um, early uh, uh, early Alzheimer's, and um, the antagonist, if you can call him that, and he, it never really says whether he killed his son or it was just an accident. But whatever the case is, he just becomes a hermit. And I'm giving spoilers for a game that's uh, from 2015, um, so it's a six-year-old game. 
And it was a short game. I mean, the developer said it was a six-hour game. People said it's a two, three-hour game. I would tend to agree with people, even though I didn't exactly rush through it. But uh, the writing is really good, and I enjoyed it on that basis. Have either of you played Firewatch? No, I have not. I have not. But, uh, yeah, like, the, that is one of the, That was the game that spawned the, <coughs> the idea of the, the concept. It didn't, like, it wasn't the first no. game to do that, but, like, no. that was it, the first time I... It was not a wa- it was walking, walking simulator? Simulator. Yeah, no. That was the first time every, anyone started really throwing that word around very often. We had games like Gone Home and Dear Esther and, uh... Sure. Um, what remains of Edith Finch, and you know. Right. But all I'm saying is, like, that was the that was one of the first ga- games where I remember that phrase being thrown around frequently. Yeah. I also reinstalled the Artful Escape, and I plan to do a single playthrough. It isn't a very long game, just so that I could have a video. I'm just going to be uh, recording my gameplay because the Artful Escape is one of those games in which it's like an album, and I want to keep it without having to, you know, play it over and over and over again. Because there is... Playing it is fine, but, you know, it's... Someone called it a a great um, concept album, you know? And I I agree. I think that's the best thing to call it. It's it's a concept album. Yeah, I still haven't made it over to Artful Escape. I want to... I think I just want to watch a playthrough of it and see like somebody go through like a commentary let's play through. I'm not going to do a commentary, but I will say this when you play um to make it a little bit harder and also to make it better looking. I when I when I'm moving right, I'm also playing my guitar every single every single strum because what happens is when you play a guitar, the background comes alive. It's sort of like it makes it come alive. So you could play the game just going running, you know, running running right, but I tend to do it so that um there's a, the uh, every time I'm running, it's everything is just brightening up and and uh, the music is because the music also swells when you do that. And then you have this option when you're doing a jump to do an ollie, and you know how those guitars do those str- uh, when they jump, they strum downward. So doing that sort of stuff, you know. I have a similar methodology for the game Mighty Goose, in which uh, it's a Metal Slug like in which you play as a goose, and there's a dedicated goose button. And uh, I mash the hell out of that honk button as I'm shooting enemies and blowing them away. And it doesn't make the background come alive, but it sure as hell is funny listening to my my goose honk as I kill everything in front of me. Here's the thing. Um, you're going to be – the game uh, – Artful Escape is, doesn't look great unless you're actually making the background come alive and making the score swell like that. Because then you're just running right and jumping every occasion. It's about as challenging as the Smurf adventure. Yeah, I've heard it's not a very like. I mean, it's an Annapurna game. Like, it's artist, well, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know. I was about to say, Twelve Minutes is also an Annapurna game, and you know, that game, I I never got to complete it. Um, I just learned the uh, what happens in it, and um, and uh, from from what I know, uh, it makes you wonder why you even played the game in the first place. Yeah, that what a waste of some great actors too. Yeah, I didn't even know that was Willem Dafoe, by the way. And why hire British actors if you can afford them to give American accents? Like, Daisy Ridley's trying to give an American accent. It's like, why not just let them speak with their normal accents? Jesus. 
Willem Dafoe sounds like he's Oscar the Grouch in that game. <laughs> but anyways. Um, what else have I played lately? Uh, I know there's one other game that I, I played. And I'm trying to remember what it is. So uh, we're going to move on to game news. I can find it. There we are. So um, this one is hot off the press. This one came an hour ago. Uh, Lego suspends release of Overwatch 2 set amid ongoing Activision Blizzard controversy. And this comes from Eurogamer. Lego has announced it is indefinitely suspending the release of its Overwatch 2 Titan set, originally scheduled to launch on the 1st of February, in light of ongoing concerns related to Activision Blizzard's workplace culture, which was described as, quote-unquote, a breeding ground for harassment and discrimination against women in a California state lawsuit launched last July. The controversy uh, surrounding Activision Blizzard has only deepened since then. November saw the release of damning Wall Street Journal report detailing further alleged sexual harassment, assault, and inappropriate behavior at the company, with the publication levying particular criticism at CEO Bobby Kotick, claiming he had been aware of the allegations of sexual misconduct and mistreatment of female employees across the company, quote-unquote, for years. Despite swift industry condemnation, Xbox, Nintendo, and PlayStation all made statements condemning Activision Blizzard, and a petition by more than 1,800 company employees demanding Kotick step down, Activision's board of directors all rallied around the CEO, saying it, quote-unquote, remains confident in Kodak's, quote-unquote, leadership, commitment, and ability. By the way, um, I, you might want to commend Lego, but then you also have to remember that Overwatch 2 has been delayed. And, and so it could say, yeah, we're, we're, we're concerned with uh, the workplace harassment, but on the other hand, they aren't going to release something that wa- for a non-existent product, you know? So... But on the other hand, Lego did say this is the reason why. So at least there's that, you know, regardless of their actual motivations. Um, I also have to point out that Phil Spencer, um, see, while Sony, Nintendo and Activision, uh, Sony, Nintendo and, and uh, Microsoft may be condemning them, uh, they still have to work with them. And uh, Phil Spencer actually talked about that. He said he can't virtue shame uh, Activision Blizzard. While, you know, it affects their relationship with them, it's not like they can say, okay, we're going to cut off, we're going to cut things off from you completely. You know, they can't do that. None of those three big three can do that with a major third party publisher. But Lego does have the uh, ability to do this because Lego has nothing to do with Activision Blizzard. They're just, it's just a, uh, you know, it's just a, 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 you know, a third party deal with them. Yeah. And like, it's getting worse and worse for Activision Blizzard because the fact of the matter is that that's a partnership loss. That's money loss. That's that's uh, that's joint sales on a product lost and licensing fees lost. That is the kind of thing that will really piss off investors. Does Kodak? I, now here's the thing. I would usually joke about this, but does Kodak have compromising pictures of some of the of the board of directors? And that might be a joke, but then I'm thinking, wait, that might actually be true, considering all everything considered. Yeah, because like at this point, it almost feels like he, he is so ineffective and so stalwart in staying there, regardless of all of the bad things that have happened. That it's almost like he's trying to either 
buy enough time to get himself a golden parachute or drag the company down around him. The thing is that um, I think they're going to be waiting from March, which is when the uh, quarterlies come in. Actually, the yearlies, too. So that he can, they can either have an excuse to get rid of him or an excuse to keep him. He's making us money, you know. And that's the kind of bottom line that's just going to sink them because California don't care if you're making money. Um, recently, uh, everybody knows the story. What the hell? Everybody knows the story about 811 Motorworks. I think that's the name of it. If you don't know who they are, they're the ones who gave someone $910 worth of pennies and dumped it on their lawn soaked in oil. And uh, with a letter fuck you on it. Um, they're in real trouble right now because the state of Georgia is saying, wait a minute, you did not pay these people overtime, which is in uh, which is in the uh, uh, this. Geez, I forgot the name of the act. It was in 1938. And all this abusive shit. Well, guess what? Now for $910. They're probably going to lose over a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and that's what Activision is doing now. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, it's this is this is big because this is one of the first major partnership deals we've seen just drop out on uh, Activision Blizzard. I mean, you've seen we've seen the big publishers like the ESA and and Xbox and PlayStation. And all of them condemn uh, what's going on at Activision Blizzard, but none of them are. But none of them are like even Phil Spencer has said we're changing the way in which we interact with them. Which I'm sorry to say, that means you're still interacting with them. Well, here's the thing, and I understand why, but because like even even he said it like Xbox is not a pol Xbox is not a politics machine. It's not a free will or it's not a free speech machine. It's an entertainment machine, and they're trying to sell entertainment. Okay, well, here's the other thing about about that. Uh, one news item we are not talking about is uh, Microsoft wants unilateral banning of people who are toxic. You know, not just on their thing, but uh, across platforms. You know, which is an unusual thing. I think that's just a setup for them to set up. Uh, you know, this is a worry of pitching Xbox Live to PlayStation, Nintendo, but um, uh, Microsoft. <laughs> You know, you, you, yeah, you can. Ch- the thing is that when a major company like Microsoft says we are changing the way we're looking at dealing with you, that is a shot cr- fired across the bow. That is right. saying, you know what, Microsoft and Tony and Nintendo can only fire shots across the bow. They can only threaten. They can only warn because they still have contracts right. with the, uh, with with Activision Blizzard. And Lego doesn't have to. Or, Lego doesn't have to. Right. I wasn't condemning them or criticizing them. I was saying... Lego I know what you're saying. The, Lego has the autonomy to say, we don't want your stink on us. And also, <laughs> well, also, like I said, it is a little bit easier that there's serious delays with Overwatch 2 anyway. But um, they're able to do this... It's sort of like, you know what, we can do this and um, not have to worry about the consequences just yet since there is no Overwatch 2. Uh, once Bobby Kotick is kicked out, they'll say, oh, by the way, you know what, Overwatch 2 Lego set is back on. Go ahead, Scott. I don't not think I have too much to add to this other than uh, it's good to see Lego you know, making a statement and you know, hopefully 
I think we're trying to do better in general, even if we're still stumbling, uh, or some of us are still stumbling. So I, I think this is a good step forward, and I hope that this it keeps going and gets momentum to really make some change in this gaming culture. By the way, I should mention uh, there's something there's something else about Lego that you have to understand. Lego is a privately held company. It is not a corporation, which means they don't have to worry about stockholders. Also, they're from Denmark. <laughs> so not only are they not American, but they're also not a corporation, so they don't have to worry about CEOs or, or, or corporation or, or, or shareholders or anything like that. They can just say, fuck you, we don't care. All we care about is making a profit. We're not, we're not worried about constantly increasing our profits so that the shares go up in value. Cause all they care about is a profit. They don't care about pleasing shareholders, you know? Which is why, you know, Disney gets in, in trouble because they're, they're sucking China's dick, you know, with concentration camps, but they have to make sure they keep constantly have their stock going up or else the stock drops and they get voted out, you know. Lego doesn't have to worry about that. They're they're a private company. And oh by the way, they're also 20 as of 2021, they're also the largest toy company in the world. Can you imagine that? Lego's not a corporation, but they're the biggest toy company in the world. Yeah, they've made a they've made a lot of huge partnerships, and even just this last year with, with like Lego Mario. Lego Mario is awesome. Yeah, and then I'm they're surprised they're not uh, they're not publicly traded because I remember when back in the eighties when I wanted that pirate ship <laughs> hundred dollars and I couldn't get it, and I recently looked it up and it's still a hundred dollars. That stuff, the price never changes on those things. They're like that's the most stable pricing I've ever seen. It's crazy. Yeah, they're um, and you know here's the thing. They also you can make um compatible bricks, which is what a lot of companies do, and they don't raise a stink about it. They just say, okay, you know, we're Lego, but you know, if you want to make bricks that just happen to be uh, compatible with ours, we're fine with that. And they like appeal to every demographic too. Like there are there are Lego sets that are just like. First ever Lego set, first ever thing that you have ever built, and it's easy as pie, and only has a few pieces, and it works, and it's fine. And then they're like, there's like a straight up scale model of uh, of the Louvre or things like that, where like it's just thousands upon thousands of pieces. You you, you can they have a build like a Empire State Building Lego set, or you know a, a bonsai tree, or you know, Robin Hood or, or medieval or, or, or just, 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 they have so many. It's and crazy. Like a, and then, like I said, they've been doing like crossovers with, they do the crossover with Lego Mario, which is great. They yeah. do the crossover with, uh, so, oh, they're, they're, that's right. <laughs> they're, by the way, doing, uh, they're doing a crossover with Sonic the Hedgehog. That's going to be coming out pretty soon. Yeah. I, by the way, I was wrong when I said that they're, they'll chill. They will sue you. I mean, they tried to sue mega blocks, but Canada upheld mega blocks rights. Um, they did successfully sue one company in 2002 um, for for cocoa bricks, you know. But generally, uh, they don't. Um, they 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 know that their patent went expired in 78, so it's like they they're very circumspect. I know people have 3D printed 
special little Lego blocks for campaigns. And you can have armor and different uh, items and weapons. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, but that's that's sort of like me um, drawing a picture of Mario. You know, Nintendo can't sue. Oh wait, that's not right. That's not true. Actually, actually, they will sue. You know, it's funny (laughs) when I was playing when I was playing uh, Tales of Neon Sea. There was a lot of little Easter eggs, like there would be a poster of Lost, a poster of House, or, you know, little character reference. And I actually saw two characters dressed up like Mario and Luigi in there. They didn't act or say anything like Mario and Luigi, but they they looked exactly like them. So it's like, you know, they they had the outfit. Um, So it was just kind of funny to see that. Anyways, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, going forward what's going this is this is this is an ongoing thing, and Activision Blizzard has taken center stage on the entire Me Too thing in the uh, in in video games, you know, because basically they are the biggest, you know. I mean, you could act, argue EA, but Activision Blizzard is actually larger. Yeah, um, Activision Blizzard is huge. I mean, it's it's the company of Call of Duty. And even if it was, and even like it's a company of World of Warcraft for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, even yes, that too. Like that's the fact. It's like even if it was just the company of Call of Duty, it would be a massive company because Call of Duty is the biggest selling game. It's the biggest selling shooter in the entire world, and that's a fact, whether anyone likes it or not. But um, but then there's the fact that they have so many other things going on, including World of Warcraft. Um. <clears throat> And so, like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that Activision Blizzard is still considered to be, like, one of the bigger video game companies out there. Yeah. On a side note, um, EA announced that they'd be announcing their financials for 2021 on February 1st, or is it February? In, in, in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of it's been going on, see how much of it has affected EA now. Yeah, there's uh there's rumors going around about EA coming into this uh coming week these uh these next weeks. I don't know if you heard it was a uh, it was another thing in the news that quite frankly it was kind of a big deal but like it didn't get a lot of play from a lot of news sites. Um Take 2 bought Zanga. Oh yes, they that <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. And by the way, for those who don't know, Zanga is um basically a casual game company. They're the ones who do the hidden the hidden object games, and they were responsible for stuff like um, oh the one that recently died um, Farmville recently uh, died, and let's all right. give a let's all give a, a moment of silence for Farmville because they were the ones who started the entire thing. They were the first cell phone game that wasn't on a cell phone. <laughs> right, but the point being, Zynga has become is easily one of the largest mobile app developers in the world um they had farmville they had words with friends which is still hugely popular they have a few different golf games they have uh some 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 uh some like casino style gambling games by the way we should mention that they bought them for 12.7 billion dollars that's that's what i was about to get to yeah 12 billion is crazy 12.7 that's almost 13 so take two has some Take Two has dipped its toes into mobile gaming, but never like gone all the way. That's a big reason of why they're grabbing Zanga is that they want to is that 
their goal is by 2023 to make 50 percent of their overall uh, of their overall like expe- expected sales mobile gaming. So here's the other thing. Um, so the last thing something happened like this was when EA bought PopCap. I was gonna say like the closest high-profile deal that I can think about the think of is last year when Microsoft bought Bethesda. But like this is. I would actually compare this more to Microsoft buying uh, Mojang. Really? Now, not not in terms of the amount of money, but here's the thing: the Zynga, PopCap, and and Mojang all belong to the same casual, all ages, family friendly gaming. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, the mobile gaming scene is just, it's continually growing and continually massive. And so, like, it'll be interesting to see what Take-Two does with Zynga. But the reason why I brought up EA in that conversation is that the Zynga sale has not gone through yet. And there is currently some undercurrent rumors going around that EA may try to snipe that. We'll see what happens, but... Right now, they're soft-rebooting Plants vs. Zombies 3, so... (laughs) <laughs> it would be it, like it would be very interesting to see Take Two and EA get into a tug of war over who gets Zenga. That's interesting. Um, I don't know if EA would want them anyway. I because everything with say PopCap has been slowing down to a crawl. I mean, when's the last time PopCap was a major? Well, actually, that's not true. PopCap actually got um. The, the Frostbite engine to work on the Nintendo Switch. They had they had to with uh, Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, 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 whoever gets them, the fact of the matter is you're bringing in a star competitor when it comes to mobile app development. Okay. That's that's the reason why you bring Zenga on is because they are they are literally one of the best in the world outside of outside of the Asian market. Well, we're going to move on, and uh, TJ, you get to talk about this piece of shit news. Well, not actually, it's good news, but still, it's one of those trends in which people wish would just go away. Sega stalls NFT plans from Eurogamer. Sega has abandoned plans to embrace NFTs following negative reactions from gamers. In an interview with Tweaktown, Sega CEO Haruki Satomi acknowledged the publisher would like to try out various NFT experiments, but was quick to say nothing is decided at this point, and the company would have to carefully assess what would be accepted and what will not be by the users. Um, Satomi's comments come less than a year after Sega indicated in April 2021 that it would start selling NFT digital contents that utilize blockchain technology last year. They follow a raft... They follow a raft of NFT announcements from other publishers, including Ubisoft, which seemingly sold 15 NFTs in the first month they launched. By the way, we have to stop there for a moment uh, because that was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Because 15 NFTs, that's like um, you spent a billion dollars and you got 15 cents. Yep. (laughs) (coughs) And then – oh, go ahead. Hey, I know there's a a Konami – we're about to talk about that right now. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, and then Konami, which confirmed Castlevania artwork, video clips, and music tracks will be hawked as NFTs on the OpenSea auction site next week using the controversial Ethereum currency. And what a slap in the face. Konami said, guess what? In honor of the Castlevania anniversary, which, by the way, was in last September. PJ, it's not a slap in the face. It's a stick to the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there you go. Well done. Um, but holy hell, like the only thing they did for Castlevania's 35th anniversary was put out that, uh, that Game Boy Advance collection, which was okay. Well, here's the thing. The only people who really care about Castlevania is the guy who invented it and he made Bloodstained. (laughs) No, if any, (laughs) if any game company has a toxic environment, it's probably Konami because it's just, you gotta, when all your creatives leave, and they go fund their own companies, like all of them have. And and you just got to well, wonder about that company. You know? you know, Konami is all about the pachinko machines now. Yeah, they are. They, I, they, just, they don't have a creative soul in them. They have so much good IP. They're sitting on a mountain of great IP, and all they are is just a whole bunch of executives that have no idea how to handle that. Which is why everybody keeps on talking about Microsoft buying Konami over and over and over again, or at least their gaming group. I, I don't think that's a prediction. I think that's a wish. <laughs> it is a wish. <laughs> you, might as well be, you might as well buy a corpse with its arms around a treasure chest. I mean, imagine N- Microsoft, Nintendo, or Sony owning Konami IPs. I thought, well, here's the thing. It, my, Nintendo owns the Bayonetta IP, and they've done nothing with it. I mean, the game... Uh, I watched a Let's Play of Bayonetta 2, and I wish I could play it, but I'm not buying a Switch just to play Bayonetta. And, like, I was telling Scott about this the other day. Konami is occasionally capable of a good idea here and there. Last year, they started uh, they started licensing some of their uh, some of their old IP out to, like, third-party indie developers, which is what they did with uh, this game called Getsu Fumiden. It was a side-scrolling, uh, like, hack-and-slash platform. And it was actually not that bad. But then they do stuff like this, and it makes me, like, just scratch my head, thinking, why the... You... <laughs> what are you doing? It's... Anyways, th- there's more to this story. So, uh, before you go, move on, you know, um, have you ever heard of Undetected? Uh, Undetected. I don't think I've heard of that one. Okay, so here's the thing, is that... It's a Metal Gear Solid game that was made by Antonio Ferrari because he was tired of waiting for a new Metal Gear Solid game, so he started decided to make his own. Ah, uh, yes, I have heard of this. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen it or played it, but I have heard of it. It looks like the uh, Xbox uh, Splinter Cell, to tell you the truth. It doesn't look too bad. Yeah. It reminds me of the, Xbox, the original Xbox Splinter Cell. Yeah. But um, Square Enix president Yosuke Matsuda also recently published a letter in which he expresses hope that NFTs and blockchain technology will become a major trend in gaming. And man, his choice words were... You can, you can, you can wish all you like. You can have hope all you like. <laughs> his, his choice words in that letter involved something along the lines of, we need to start thinking about how, develop a, how to develop games where players play for the benefit of the game. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I know there's still a worry about Stalker 2 having blockchain in it. Um, I don't know what happened with that. It got shouted down until they took yeah, it. Yeah, I know. GAC said, oh, nope. <laughs> oh, sorry. 
But uh, in a New Year's letter, Matsuda expressed what he believes to, will be major areas of growth in, in, in the industry in 2022, including cloud gaming, AI, and blockchain games. The latter are built on the premise of a token economy and therefore hold the potential to, to enable self-sustaining game growth. So, For whom? For whom? Of course. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, cloud gaming, I'm already doing that. I'm doing that with... Um, Wow, you're doing it right into the into the mic, huh? Um, I'm already doing that with Xbox Game Pass, you know, and it's good. Um, I usually play just Slay the Spire uh, on it. Uh, AI, I always want AI to get better uh, because um, that's why I loved Half Life. That's why I loved Halo. That's why I was disappointed a little bit with Half Life Two because if you remember the the AI in Half Life was great, and Half Life Two they. I don't know why they did it, but all the enemies were just run at you and shoot, run at you and shoot, run at you and shoot. While in Half-Life, you know, they would they would take cover, they would lob grenades at you, they would try to flush you from your position, etc., etc., stuff that you'd never seen before in a first-person shooter. But, um, yeah, I... Blockchain games, no. By the way, that also makes it interesting as to why EA bought Zenga, because... I think most people look at mobile gaming as a perfect uh, place to have blockchain games. So you have to wonder if EA is pra- is planning that. That was take two, but it is take a two. That's like, what I meant. Mobile gaming is a, a perfect place for monetization and ad revenue, <laughs> and nobody knows more about that than Zanga. Yeah, but at least Zanga made great uh, hidden object games. Um, the other thing is like. I feel bad for the. I feel bad for everybody who was working on uh, on uh, Final Fantasy fourteen leading into that uh, that the the Square Enix president's message, because they were over on another side of the internet just being like, "Hey, much appreciated community, we love you. Thank you for helping us make Final Fantasy fourteen into what it is. We're hoping to give back to you." And the and it was all this good war, this warmth and cheer and and good vibes. And then that NF, and then that uh, Square Enix uh, president message came out, and it was just like that was the, that was a mood killer. That's the same reason why I feel bad for Madden 22 developers because they know what they're doing is shit, but EA has them working on stuff they don't want to work on, you know. And then you have the PR people having to, and that uh, the people have it rough are the PR people who know the idea is unpopular and have to somehow. Um, do you remember? Uh, back uh, with the controversy about uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Mm-hmm. And the PR person, lead developer, had to make, give all these bullshit reasons why there were no X-Men and no Fantas- F- uh, uh, Fantastic Four characters. Like, people don't play characters, they play uh, c- battle systems. And uh, this character played the same thing uh, way as, uh, say, Magneto, so people will play them because they don't care about Magneto. They care about the way they play, which is absolutely bullshit. <laughs> people absolutely do care about the characters. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter if you make a character that plays like Magneto. If it's not Magneto, it's not Magneto. Yeah, which is why they had to do, uh, fight Tooth and Claw to get Deadpool in it. Mm-hmm. They had to convince him, but he's not really a mutant. He's his own thing. He's a mutant. <laughs> He was he was a creation for New Mutants, 
Was it New Mutants or Cable? I forgot. Was did did Deadpool debut in New Mutants or did he debut in Cable? I think it was New Mutants. I I don't know. Well, didn't didn't they eventually? I they mean, changed the name of New Mutants to something else. Did they? Yeah. Isn't he like he's part of Weapon X, isn't he? Yeah, he's part of Weapon X, but um, Rob Liefeld uh, created his original character either for New Mutants or Cable. I think it was New Mutants. Anyways. Uh, let's move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. E- E3 2022 cancels in-person event. This is from IGN. The ESA has canceled its in-person event for E3 2022, according to a statement shared by IGN by ESA. But while they point to upcoming announcements, the future of the show this year and beyond remains unclear. Due to ongoing health risks surrounding COVID-19 and its potential impact on the safety of exhibitors and attendees, E3 will not be held in person in 2022, reads a statement sent by IGN to IGN by the ESA. We remain incredibly excited about the future of E3 and look forward to announcing more details soon. E3's future has been a question mark for some time now. In 2022, show never had a firm date set and was never an official LACC calendar, despite past shows physical and digital being scheduled over a year in advance. An in-person E3 uh, 2022 had been planned officially since opening of last year's show per a speech from the LA mayor, Eric Garcetti, uh, uh, but its official Twitter and website have been uncharacteristically silent since then, and multiple sources with ties to E3 speaking to IGN under conditions of anonymity uh, suggested that ESA had given up on trying to hold the physical show much earlier, possibly as far back as fall last year. Other industry sources suggested that while they would typically have heard about formal plans for E3 by now, digital or physical, the ESA silence on the matter have been deafening, and they are unsure what the plan is at all, if any. So I've been going to E3 since 2002, um, and that was uh, when they first they first showed off World of Warcraft. There, they showed a, a torrent running through. Uh, I forgot the name of it. It's not a, a the, uh, it's not a it's not. Anyways, and I just say let it die, just let it die. It's not worth it anymore because they don't know how to do a show, and ESA is incapable of doing a show and we know we can do a good uh video game show all i have to do is uh gamescom at leipzig is considered a really popular event with all these big announcements and stuff you know and what was their solution for e3 oh we'll open up to people but you're not going to make it more fan friendly because i know when i was at e3 last time in person it's sort of like you had these fans who were disappointed that they, uh, when they asked the developer, "Oh, can we see this?" No, you're not press. Sorry. What 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 publication do you write for? Basically, all they were doing was going to these um, these presentations that like had two hour lines in it. So. Yeah, it like it was a pretty sad state of affairs in the last in prison E3 where the floor was like, the floor seemed a lot more clear than it had ever looked before. And I don't know, like it, and last year their, their virtual show was just terrible. 
it was info vomit. It wasn't all the, it wasn't entertaining. It wasn't fun. It wasn't interactive. It was just info vomit after info vomit of, of everybody putting out like every little announcement that they had. And it generally every single, sh- every single part of the show was like, he, there were so many games that it was hard to like remember anything that came across because it was just so much info at once. Here's the thing. Um, they've been going by the old way for years now on these, these, um, these press briefings. And here's the problem. Even before, uh, even before the internet, when you're broadcasting these things, they're doing it the old way in which there would be only media there and they would be listing off everything they were doing. Everything. And the media would take this, take, uh, you know, and edit it and release it into their magazines, you know? You can't do that with a live stream. Microsoft figured out what they should be doing. And you'll remember, they had the first thing, which was all the big games, the ones that are going to get you excited. And then, oh, by the way, if you want to stick around for afterward, for the extraneous shit, you can do that. You can watch that. Here's the good stuff. Here's the extraneous stuff on the side, which is what they should be doing with these uh, briefings now. You know, just boom, here's what you want to hear, and then here's all the other stuff. No one gives a shit about FIFA 22. No one. I mean, there are people who care, but not the general gaming public. Yeah. I, remember, I remember a couple of years ago, they had Pele on in, in the EA thing for about an hour, and it was like everybody was falling asleep. No one wanted to care about Pele. Sorry, sad but true. He may be the greatest soccer player ever, but guess what? That's not what we want at a video game thing. And then they had EA did this other thing when they were doing it at around the time of Tony Hawk. They had three bands. They had Usher perform and uh, the uh, Eminem perform and someone else perform. And it's like, yeah, this is a great concert, but I'm here for the games. Yeah. Yeah, and like, I don't know. It, it, it feels like they got to the point where, like, you even in the last year, even you even had like groups like Microsoft that weren't even setting up an E3. They were just going and doing their thing in a theater nearby. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. I was actually disappointed at that, but then I re- uh, then I saw that eh, it's not that long a walk and it's not like that long a wait. So I guess I can go to this this other thing. But it's still a bummer because uh, I have plenty of photographs in which Microsoft and and, play, and Sony were next to each other, and you had their two big walls. You had the green wall and the blue wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the red wall was Nintendo, who had their own thing way over the other side of the conference thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. There... <sighs> I miss going out and I'm like, it's, it's real stark reminder that this year is probably not going to get better when it comes to in-person events. Oh, I remember the first, the first time you were at E3 and I introduced you to the develop, the lead developer of uh, Rainbow Six Siege and you just were stunned. <laughs> it's like, wow, I can actually meet people here. People yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it was wild times. Like I, I miss that. I really do. I want, people to stop being dicks about the pandemic so I can go back to work and do the things I love. And I mean, I'm working, but like, you know what I mean? I bar hopped with Michael Pactor a few times. <laughs> um, I met, you know, I chatted with Sid Mayer, you know, all these other, Oh, what's interesting is that uh, there was another example of how the mighty have fallen. 
I remember going uh, a few years ago, and there was Richard Garriott pushing his new – I don't know which game it was. I know it wasn't uh, – oh, yeah, it was the game that I had backed on Kickstarter, um, his failed MMO. And it's sort of like – not not blank, not a tabula rasa was the other one. And it's sort of like there there he was, and it's like – it's like he used to be a video game god, and now he's just chilling desperately. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's the only reason for me to ever go to E3 now is just to meet people I know. That's it. That's it. No, nothing else. I don't even have to go on the game floor. Because here's the other thing is that it used to be when I went to a game conference uh, for uh, Civilization Beyond Earth, right? I actually uh, – oh, Dennis uh, – jeez, I forgot his last name. Dennis came out. He would explain – he would – we would we would interact the crowd we would re- interact with him he would re- interact with us he chose the game being played and all that stuff uh, then a few years later Civ six okay you're gonna go into this theater watch this 13 minute video okay get out and oh by the way that 13 minute video is gonna be uh, on YouTube already it's like why would I go why why should I go to E3 if all I can do is go to YouTube and get the exact same experience except online and not meeting people, you know, it was pointless. I felt like, eh, wh- wh- what am I doing here? You know, and, and the side effect of all that is all the good stuff becomes reserved for people with big sites, you know, and I'm not even a, I'm not a major uh, uh, influencer either. So I remember the big, uh, the everything that everybody wanted to do was cyberpunk 2077, that hour long thing. I couldn't get in even if I wanted to. Even if I could, because I'm not big enough for them. So, and you know, because there I was being put on par with people who paid to get in, who were writing for nobody. So, yeah, that's how E3 has changed, and um, I wish they would look at the Gamescom model and say that's how you do it. Yes, agreed. Like, I had the pleasure of going to Gamescom one time in person, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, it, it's amazing how well they handle that show for how many people they have there. And uh, it's amazing how they handle the, the media, too, because, like, you have, you have, like, these entire sections of that building that are cordoned off specifically for media appointments. Yeah, in PAX, we have the one hour for media before everybody gets in. That's when we all have the uh, special breakfast at, uh, oh, God, uh, Behemoth Games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, rip E3. This I, I don't know if it... I will rip E3. I will rip E3 over and over. <laughs> I don't know if this show is ever coming back, or if it does, it's going to take some serious reconsideration of how it how it works. You know, at this point, I liked what happened last year. It's just that Sony and Nintendo have to have to do better with it. But if they're going to do an online conference like Microsoft does, and also do it in um in two sections, like all the stuff you want to know, and then all the stuff you don't need to know. But if you want to know more about it, go over here. You know. And what I liked also about last E3 is we we saw a lot of weird um. I forgot the name of it, uh, of that show, but it had all the casual games that were, some of them barely qualified as games. And they actually have a 
term for them now, uh, like uh, light games or snooze games or something like that. I forgot what it is. Uh, Scott, you 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 enjoyed a lot of those games. You remember what it was called? Which game? The one that what that small games thing, uh, games uh, conference uh, not conference video, but at E three, um, the string of all these casual, ultra casual games. You remember that? That was the all these these sweet little barely games that that were being shown. I forgot the name of it. But they actually have a name for that kind of game now, and they're starting to get a lot of attention. Oh, was it like good games done in... No, it was basically ultra-indie games. So it's it's not important right now. I also miss, and I know TJ misses this, uh, Devolver Digital's uh, Parking Lot. Yeah, they had a great setup. Because here's the thing, for those who don't know, uh, Issa and Devolver Digital have a feud going on. So, Devolver Digital's way of saying fuck you is just to rent the car park across the street from E3 and, and run their own game. And oh, by the way, not only do you get to play games there, but they also give away free beer and food for everybody who attends. You just have to be someone who's attending E3 to get in. What's funny is they also recognize me. It's like, oh, you're here. Great. And it's like, oh, you remember me? Really? <laughs> yeah. We yeah. Actually- we actually did an entire podcast there. Yes, we did. And I double fisted beer while we did it. It was <laughs> Which uh, is why you were so you were so smooth and, 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 and in control during that podcast. <laughs> it was quite a time. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna move on to the next item. Elden Ring character creation leaks, and this comes to us from PC Gamer. During the Elden Ring network test, were you a part of that uh uh, uh TJ? What is it? The yeah, the You did the network test? You did yeah. the network test. Okay. Players were only allowed to choose from a set of five pre-designed characters rather than diving into the full character cre- character creation system. YouTube channel ERSA has given us our first look at the character creator, albeit with most of the text blanked out and many of the options that are presumably work in progress. There seems to be 10 classes to choose from as is par for, uh, for the course in Soulsborne games. The leaker settles for what seems to be the Elden Ring's version of the Deprived, with no armor, or club, shield, and straight tens across the board on all stats. Apparently, Elden Ring's graphics team felt pressured by the Demon Souls remake, feeling the need to match its level of fidelity. There are plenty of sliders for customizing your appearance, and as the video description notes, you finally can create, easily create a good-looking character now. Of course, uh, they slid all the sliders to the right to create a hideous character with green skin and odd hair. So you can create your own monster. It made it look like like a, a goblin, really. Um, in other news, Elden Ring surpassed Techland's Dying Light 2 Stay Human earlier this week to secure the top spot as Steam's most wanted game. Did you see the character creator video, uh, TJ? No, I've stayed away from it just because I want to experience it for myself. Okay. Um, I am aware, though, like that, <laughs> that I've heard people t- saying it's pretty great looking. And uh, a lot of people have been pretty impressed, which like that's that's kind of one of the things that people have been. I've seen this weird conversation going around that with people saying that Elden Ring doesn't look that much better than Dark Souls three. And these are people that haven't played the game and have mostly just looked at trailers and I'm just like, y'all don't even know. You don't even know. And you're making these commentary. Yeah, I've seen some I've seen some of the newer videos for Elden Ring and it's really looking beautiful. It's using I think it's ray tracing. I can't be sure. Um, 
It's but pretty really powerful deal. stuff. For one, it's it's finally a from software game running at sixty frames per second instead of thirty frames per second, which that in and of itself is is fantastic. But uh, the world is just plain beautiful too. But I digress. The he, seeing people thrilled just about the character creation because I mean I'm one of those people that is like I will spend probably <coughs> two to three hours in a character and a good character creator making my uh, making my person look exactly the way I want them to look for my adventure. If I remember correctly, there was like there was like twelve pages of sliders and like there was like average of eight sliders per page that's fantastic and i'm and i'm thrilled to hear about it like i'm elden ring is making a believer out of a lot of people and like i i know that i know that it's like there there is the 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 hardcore like from software folks that will never like that will play it regardless of what it looks like and how it plays but there are a lot of people out there that see this game and like they see something that's out of the ordinary for From Software. From Software is actually going like pretty far all out to make this the next big step in their design. We can't also underestimate the fact that it's a story being written by George R. R. Martin, and it's gonna be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um and I really do think that it, that it's a good thing that Demon's Souls remake happened. Because it prepped people, I guess. Well, more along the lines of Miyazaki actually felt like, well, now I actually have competition in my own field. <laughs> um, and oh. like competition oh. is good in that way. Competition pushes a guy like Miyazaki who strives to make his games super fun, all the more fun. It'd be interesting to see how, to see how this game looks on the top end machines like the PC, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. I can tell you that I played on PS5 and it was just gorgeous. All and through. here's the thing. Um, well, what? Demon Souls or Elden Ring? <clears throat> Excuse me. Had a cough. <laughs> Pardon. Um, I played Elden Ring's network test on the PS5, and okay. uh, yeah, like that. I, when I when you get out of the tutorial cave, it is a breathtaking experience. Let's move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Hitman 3 Year 2 revealed coming later this week from PC Gamer. IO Interactive announced today that the second year of Hitman 3, uh, the second year of Hitman 3 was our- nominated for, uh, our, who won our best uh, action game of 2022. Yes. Which was controversial, which is a little controversial to you. I, wh- you were, you, Still preferred, uh, not preferred, but you still thought that t- It Takes Two was going to win that. Action game? Yeah, best action or platform. The nominees were Hitman t- 3, which won, It Takes Two, Kena Bridge of Spirits, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Returnal. Hmm. This is PC Gamers Awards, right? Like No, uh, our awards. <laughs> our awards! Oh, 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 oh okay. Um, I was just... Uh, <laughs> Now, we don't care about we don't care about PC games gamers awards, damn it. Right. Well, I was just thinking like it, I, it wouldn't. It, it, Hitman Three is an amazing game, and it okay. deserves a, uh, and it deserves all the praise it's gotten, and well, it's great to see that they're doing year two content. 
Well, let's just continue with the item. Go, keep them going. Um, but yes, the second year of the second year of Hitman Three content will be revealed on January thirteenth. The unveiling will come in the form of a fifteen-minute video packed full of announcements, reveals, and never-before-seen footage of new content. Hitman Three Year Two was confirmed in November twenty twenty-one with a promise that it will include new maps, modes, storylines, and new ways of playing. Unfortunately, IO Interactive didn't let slip any further details about what we can look forward to in the reveal, saying only that it will include the elusive Target Arcade, PC VR, both of which were noted in the November announcement, and a brand new game mode. The Hitman 3 Year 2 reveal stream will get underway at 3 p.m. Central Time, time, 6 a.m. Oh, no, wait, that's that's, European uh, time. Um, 6 a.m. Pacific time and 9 a.m. Eastern time on January 13th on YouTube or at www.io.dk. Year 2 itself is slated to kick off one week later on January 20th. Um, PC VR, for one thing, sounds fantastic considering how gorgeous the worlds are in in, uh, Hitman. I am curious how in-depth the VR would be for something like this. By the way, um, we should. I, I, there's one news item that I wanted. To, I, I was going to talk about, but I forgot about, and that is all the rumors regarding the Oculus Quest Three, and that it's going to be debuting in 2023, I believe. And I'm telling you, if if there's a pre-order line, I'm going to be right there. <laughs> yes, I think the next big thing that you do if you're Facebook trying to chase uh trying to make your next big product is uh well PC- PSVR 2 just got revealed this uh this last week and uh that th- that machine is sounding like it's going to be pretty dang good they're talking about like they're talking I think they were talking about doing ray tracing in uh in VR I don't care about that I just want the Oculus Quest 3 because no cameras no setup um and I'm just hoping that it's a little lighter and fits your head easier I know that they're going to have a dramatic boost in resolution, which is fine. Yes. And uh, what I'm saying is that that is going to be its direct competitor. They're going to have to make it up to specs to try to chase after PSVR 2, which I think that's great. I have a PC link. I can play all the PC uh, uh, PC VR games with the Oculus 2. But what I'm saying is that the Quest 2 has been sitting by itself in a very in a very appealing field where it was kind of the only thing of its kind sitting at that price point that was that accessible to VR. And also has Facebook's, I'm sorry, not Facebook meta's money. I mean, they had the clout to have exclusive resident evil Four VR for the next year or so. And I kind of think that that sucks because it forces people to have to get a Facebook account. You can't log in and access your apps without it. And I I love the Oculus 2 as far the Quest 2 as far as the technology goes. I don't like the Facebook ecosystem attached to it. I don't care. I already have a Facebook account, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, there are a lot of people that do though, because Facebook is a fucking horrible company. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is that I welcome the PSVR 2 because it will open the field to more competition, and these guys will try harder when it comes to developing more VR. Well, you also have to think of the Steam VR and also the HRV. And here's the thing. I want them to make 
uh, uh, VR like Oculus Quest. I don't care that much about resolution. What I care about is not having to be not needing uh, things set up along your room. You know, here's the cameras and all that bullshit. No, just strap two cell phones to my face, which is basically what the Oculus Quest is, (laughs) and just, uh, you know, and do it that way. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for PSVR 2 and Oculus to compete with each other. Yeah. And I hope it stays at $300 price point for the Oculus. Yeah. In any case, uh, this Hitman 3's year 2 content, is very interesting. Like the one, one of the things they teased is that it, this is going to be something that people have been asking for for a very, very, very long time in the community. Oh God, I hope not, not, not PvP. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be PvP. <laughs> um, maybe I'm wrong, well, but maybe like, erase the, or maybe uh, erase the assassinate the target first. Maybe. Uh, um, all I know is that they've been showing, uh, they showed a little bit of like footage of what they're going to be. They teased a little bit of footage and one of them was, uh, was, a uh, glass kit was like a whole bunch of hallways of guns, which <laughs> I don't know about you, but like there is something nostalgic and cool about being able to walk through hit, uh, agent 47's like gallery of guns. They had that in a lot of previous Hitman games. They haven't had that in the new trilogy, where you can actually walk along your equipment and take it into a firing range and try it out. And so I think that might be... That's that's my guess as to one thing that's coming in this year two content, is the gun gallery and shooting range. I think, you know, a lot of people I know just say they're just happy there's more. Yeah. I just think it's cool, because, like, Hitman 1 through 3... There has been so much equipment to collect and earn and uh, and gain as rewards, and you take it across the Hitman games. And the way they're so, constructed is that it's all one game. Hitman 1, 2, and 3 are just one game smushed together. Right. So if you had a gallery of just all of that equipment that you collected over the over the tr- course of the trilogy, that would be so cool to just be like – it'd be kind of a interactive walk down memory lane of all the things that you've gathered over the years. It's interesting that it's also not Hitman 4. It's Hitman 3, year 2. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, like, they, they've... I gotta hand it to IO Interactive. They've built the new Hitman games to be very modular. And uh, to the point where they can just... they can, I mean, their entire DLC series for Hitman 3 was making the Seven Deadly Sins uh, missions that were all attached to existing uh, Hitman missions. And let's not forget uh, the other game they're working on. They're making the new James Bond film, uh, game. Correct. And that is going to be exciting. I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do with the James Bond license. Here's what I hope. I hope they keep it like Hitman in that it's not a shooter. It's not, you know, an action game like a 007, like GoldenEye. But it's more of a plot out your mission. Have you know, They'll have to have action set pieces. I know they're going to have to have that. But just more, you know, mission setting up. Like, how am I going to do this mission? What way I'm going to do this mission? And with James Bond, it doesn't have to be assassination. I could just be stealing a microchip or something. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's going to be interesting to see what this uh, what this year two content entails. I uh, I've been a huge fan of Hitman Three. I've been a, hi- a huge fan of. I've I finally broke into the trilogy last year, <laughs> and I've been enjoying every little bit of it. So. It'll be delightful to see what they have in store for us this year. Yeah. 
Like I said, the game is really dense. Yes, absolutely. There's so much re- replayability in all of those missions. So, yeah. And uh, to get even more content and more ways to play is going to be delightful. The only complaint I have is that Hitman is not a stealth game. The real stealth game is Thief. And they had the one reboot that sucked. And no one's ever going to make another Thief game, which is depressing to me. Yeah. Just get back Stephen Russell. I know Dishonored is the uh, Dishonored Two has Stephen Russell. No, I want the real Garrett. Thank you. I don't want him to be Corvo. I want him to be Garrett. Yeah. Anyways, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, so comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also hit us up at Facebook.com/slash/GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some iTunes comments. You can find me at Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shardor Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.